0: Hello, everyone. We're glad you found us and welcome to our podcast at antiqueauctionforum.com. We hope you find this show entertaining and informative.
1: This is Martin Willis, and with me I have my co-host in Texas, Rain Haynes. How are you doing, Rain? Wonderful, thanks. And we have a great guest today, a strong advocate of the antique and auction business, and editor of Antique Trader Magazine. We have Eric Bradley. How are you, Eric? Wonderful, Martin. Thanks for having me. Sure. It seems like it's been a long time that we've been trying to get this podcast together.
2: We talk every other week through email, chat back and forth, and I think I work with Rain. Um, over email, but we've never spoken personally. Oh, is that right? I
0: was about to say that. I was about to say after all the years, all these years, I have never actually had the the, the great opportunity to speak to Eric, because Eric is so busy, and I, well, you know I'm just a minion, so I have <laughs> to uh, I have to take it when I can. When I had the opportunity today to co-host and, and get to talk to the Eric Bradley, I was like. Come
2: on. <laughs> flattery, flattery will get you
1: everywhere. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Eric, I, I want to thank you so much. Actually, I want our listeners to know that Eric has been a great advocate of uh, this podcast, and he's, you've helped us so much on this. And I think I see that in every area of the antique business where you're trying to help the awareness and uh, you mentioned in an email, of course, first time we spoke, that um, you were putting together a book. Um, can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Well, one of the things that we're, um, we were working on was it kind of it kind of comes off of the philosophy that I brought to Trader was that um, I think collectors subscribe to magazines like this and uh, to I guess. Get a deeper involvement with, with the trade. They want to feel connected to the to the businesses and the people who are out there making a living, and also fuel their own passion. So, um, we, uh, I brought a, a pictures and prices and people mentality to the publication. And one of those is um, a project that we worked on last year, and we we kind of fine tuned it this year, which is the favorite finds um, issue. It came out in November, and um, it, it was a contest of sorts. We reached out to all of our all of our subscribers and our, our Twitter followers, we've got 2,800 Twitter followers now, and we wanted to find out from them what their favorite find was, knowing that every collector, no matter where uh, they are or what they collect, always has that one phenomenal find that sticks in their memory. Hmm. The response was overwhelming i'm sure i bet i was
0: just about to that and the response i bet when this book comes out is going to be overwhelming because everybody loves a great story
2: yeah it's just um and and what it's it, it's just such a wonderful inspirational um approach to collecting and i i hope that it's it, it's in some way um a contribution that i can give to the to the overall the overall hobby using the uh, concept behind the favorite finds we are looking at compiling them and putting them into a large book with a guest author um, under the leadership of uh, one of the best book editors in the business. His name is Mark Moran, and he's
0: hmm.
2: he's uh, he's headed up a lot of our books, um, and he's uh, he's an established author in his own right, and a recent appraiser on Antiques Roadshow. I think Mark has mm-hmm. twenty five books under his belt, Wow, across many different genres. And um, he's looking at developing the the favorite finds concept into a into a book next year. Wow, great! Right now there's a um, there's a huge push um, that's starting out east to get um, young people involved in collecting, hmm. getting young people involved in antiques. Mm-hmm. And what we found when we got our favorite finds um, submissions in, we sat sat down and we laid them out on the table, and we tried to find some common themes across the across the, the stories and. The, the theme was that um, money wasn't an object. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I mean that in, in, in two senses. In some, in some cases folks weren't, were, uh, didn't hesitate to drop some serious dollar amounts on what they wanted. But in other cases uh, a, uh, a fellow who found a, a box of junk at a, a state sale um, only paid $1. fifty for it and he was just ecstatic with what he found. He found a, a Davy Crockett toothbrush that reminded him of his childhood. Mm. <laughs> stories like that are just are just endemic, and mm-hmm. they don't get told very often.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, in those kinds of stories, that that item that reminded him of his childhood, there was no price point he could have put on it, which is what I think you were trying to say. I mean, that is a priceless moment for this gentleman. Right. You know, I mean, for some people who collect Davy Crockett memorabilia, it has... You know, a specific value. Well, we see these toothbrushes sell for $5 or whatever it is every single day in the marketplace. But for this guy, it brought back a favorite time in his life. And for that, there is no price you could put on it. So, yeah, for $1.50, you know, you, you think, well, what does $1.50 buy you today? You know, uh, well, in this guy's day, quite a bit.
2: We've been focusing on um, – on, uh reaching us to a younger audience through Facebook and, and Twitter, and mm-hmm. we find a lot of success there. Um, and one of the, one of the ways that we, we attract folks is we make sure that we do a, a strong cross-section of prices realized from auctions and from dealers. And uh, we've entered a um, – we have a, a feature in the magazine that talks about uh, – it's called Top Lot, where dealers can send in their, their – um, one of their top-selling uh, – Items, whether it was popular or whether it was a high dollar amount, and we promote it for them for free because we want to talk about the diversity and the enjoyment that's out there, not just the dollar amount. We don't mm-hmm. we want to make sure that people know that they don't have to get scared away from the antiques and collectibles hobby, as far as getting so, into it, mm-hmm. no matter what station they're at. So.
1: Sure. Now, Eric, can you talk about the beginnings of Antique Trader? It's an old, it's an old, uh, Trade paper? Is that right?
2: That's right. It uh, started in 1953, and um, it was started based. It was started by Ed Babka in Dubuque, Iowa, based on a concept that was um, pretty popular at the time for a uh, for uh, buying and selling guns. It was like a hmm. like a gun list. I think he had, he had uh, he had modeled after a, a shotgun or a gun list magazine, where it was just a publication packed with with classified ads. And it was the first time ever that anybody had brought a mass medium to the to the antiques and collectibles market. And, and and that's an important distinction because um Ed at the time didn't have any bias in terms of what was being sold in his magazine. He just wanted to be um, be devoted towards the passion of collecting. So that inspired people all over the country, take out classified ads. it was the first time that anybody had ever made a concerted effort. Even though the magazine antiques had been there, it was more of a scholarly approach mm-hmm. to the history behind the antiques. Um, I think Ed's approach was just for the fun and the, the fun of collecting, and uh, it was wildly successful. It, it was it was huge. It started a lot of a lot of careers. It was the eBay of its of its of the of the fifties. Mm-hmm. Um, Ted Hake, the famous collectibles auctioneer in Pennsylvania, traces his start of his business to Antique Trader by Clipping out the small classified ads and creating a a, uh, um, a database of addresses that he could send out um, things that he would buy from dealers in New York and, oh, wow. and Philadelphia, and uh, that's how Hicks Americana Collectibles started. And several of the dealers they would yeah. just wait to hear um, wait to for the trader to come out, and then it was a race oh, to yeah. see who could uh, who <laughs> could send back um, the response in time to the classified ad. <laughs>
0: That was me I, in, the, in the mid-'90s, you know, this was pre-Internet, pre-Ebay, pre-all of that. And, and it was amazing because in today's day, I, I always say I never realized I had to be a photographer to be an antique dealer. <laughs> because I totally remember back in the 90s, fine things, you know, you, you race Monday to get you know, to the post office to pick up your copy of Trader. And you would, you know, flip to the back section where the classifieds were. No sense to the articles or anything in there. But I mean, if you weren't first, if you weren't making that phone call on a Monday straight away, the items were gone, and right. you were buying off of somebody's basic text description. You know, there wasn't anybody emailing you. So mm-hmm. that if you wanted to know more and ask somebody to send you a photograph. I mean, they were sending a Polaroid or a 35-millimeter in the mail, but somebody else who might be closer in the area might drive over there and get it before you even got the photo. I cannot tell you how many things I bought, essentially, sight unseen, but that was was the way you did it back then. And uh, I miss those days, truth be told. (laughs) It was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, and it wasn't that long ago, was it? Right. No. That's right. Well,
0: it it was and it wasn't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you know, one one of my best pickers today I met through the antique trader because he had placed an ad in the trader. He's from Connecticut. And I called on his ad. And he and I started doing business, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a month. And this guy, after spending a little bit of time with me, was so well-versed knowing what my taste was for the kind of glass that I bought right. that he would call me on the phone and say, I have something for you today. I'm going to put it in the mail to you. And I never, ever, ever once sent one thing back and he knew my taste so well. Wow. To this day, to this day, I still have a once-a-week conversation with this guy.
2: As, as you look at now the now – the, the... The trade papers will be covering the industry. There still needs to be somebody who, who will want to know about the ins and outs of, of, uh, of the industry. And um, I don't think anybody is getting their, their news source from any one place anymore. And I don't mm-hmm. think that that's, that that's such a bad thing. Um, no. And we've been really excited to see... The development with the um, with the number of antiques television shows that have been in production in the last 18 months. Growing, yes. I firmly believe that a rising tide lifts all boats. I'm a I'm a, I'm a hopeless optimist that way, mm-hmm. and um, I uh, I really think that that all of us will see a, a huge boost in terms of the respect and the attention that um, that the industry um, deserves, and um, and I think if you uh, no, 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 a whole new generation get a different appreciation for antiques, based okay, so on the well, work Well,
0: you know, it's, it's creating collectors that were never there before. Right. And you know, I, I remember, you know, people used to say many years ago, "Antiques Roadshow is just killing our ability to buy things." Like, no, it's not. Yeah. It's totally not. You're looking at it the wrong way. And it's roadshow is making people aware that maybe they have something valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, oh, well, everybody thinks it's worth, you know, all the money and then some. Okay, well, that's okay if they think like that. Eventually they'll find out they're wrong. Right. You know, and, 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 and the atom will come back around. But it's bringing things out of the closet. Exactly. Basis that yep. people never realized had any value whatsoever. It was just grown off junk. Yes. same thing with, like, American Pickers and Pong Stars. You know, American Pickers, you know, they're out there and they're, you know, finding, you know, pieces of America one by one. And the people at Pawn Stars, you know, they're teaching people about collectibles and why things become valuable. And all that's going to do is, is continue to create the interest in people who never had any interest, never thought about it or anything ever before. And you know, and it's like, I, I love that, you know, today the History Channel is opening up this pop shop in, in Times Square. Yeah. You know, and I blogged about it saying antiques are taking over Times Square. Because <laughs> they're selling things that have come in to um, PodStars. And um, American Pickers, things that have been found and brought into the shop, and they're going to be selling things every single day. And I think that's so awesome that the antiques community is so strong that, that they, they, they put together a pop-up shop for a month in Times Square. That just speaks volumes for the interest you know, in, mm-hmm. our, in our world.
1: Awesome. Uh, Eric, one of the questions I have for you, you mentioned that you are trying to get young people involved. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that?
2: Um, we, uh, w- w- once we kind of digested the popularity of the favorite finds concept, mm-hmm. and, um, what, what tickled us the most was that people sent in photos uh, with themselves, with their antiques. And it was great to see um, a young 20 something standing next to a giant Mob um, uh, Bell uh, cast metal decal that she had found she was going to use for her, for her garden. And, uh, and so it so kind of got us thinking, um, one of the things that, she did that, uh, that this uh, reader had, had uh, mentioned in her, in her story was that uh, the price doesn't matter, really, it really depends on what, what uh, speaks to her and what, whether it comes down to design or the history or the story that's behind it. So what we wanted to do was kind of reach out through our readers and um, give them a tool that they could use to approach young people in their lives. And, uh, and uh, stoke an appreciation for antiques and collectibles. It might not be the high end; that might come in the future. Mm-hmm. But so what we're doing um, with our with our early February uh, cover dated issues, we're going to be reprinting an entire book over an eight week span. And um, it's, uh, it was written by Frank Farmer Loomis. Oh yes. Yep, he's a wonderful guy. He's a yes. columnist for Trader.
1: He's a friend of mine. Yep, uh-
2: he's a smart guy. I, I, I love working with him. And he wrote a book called Secrets to Affordable Antiques. Right. And um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a very strong seller. And a lot of the, the message that's in the book uh, applies almost more now, now today than it did when it came out in uh, 2004. So hmm. we're going to be reprinting it um, in a serial format in Trader and uh, in a special pullout section that folks can um, share with people, people, young people in their lives learn something about it and maybe kind of revisit some of the, the approaches that they took with their collection. Um, even though the economy's down, um, folks are, uh, are rethinking every purchase, there's still no reason why, why, uh, why folks can't um, enjoy their hobby, mm-hmm. whether it's through, um, through trading or selling or buying at a different price point. Mm-hmm. Um, now's the time to, to really look at the market and, um, and relish all the phenomenal stuff that's coming out um, through auction houses. Yes. Dealers now—it's just amazing. We have a we have a columnist. His name is Wayne Jordan, um, and he uh, wrote one of the most popular columns in the last six months um, of, when he talked about the tsunami of merchandise that's going to be coming on the market mm-hmm. in the next five to ten years. The so baby boomers, and yes, mm-hmm. yeah, great stuff is going to be coming out. For now, I think you're going to see auctions um, log some of the greatest participation they've ever had, and um, even though times are tough, when the phenomenal stuff shows up. Buyers find a way.
1: Sure.
0: Yeah, they still the, the higher end market is still uh, still reaching you know sky high numbers again and again and again. Yes. To, to, to like reach out to the younger crowd is many of the younger crowd thinks that um, you know they, they think about when they think about the word antique, they think about you know they have to collect their grandmother's kinds of things which doesn't appeal to them. Either that, or they think that they have to be an empty collector across the board So all of their furniture, all of their paintings, all of their decorative arts. All of those things to be, you know, to or whatever with them have to be antique. And, and I think that's one of the things that I try to, to teach people is that, you know, you can't have a traditional home, you know, or a contemporary house with contemporary furnishings and stuff and still, you know, incorporate something you know, into that home. It doesn't have to be, you know, a room full of everything antique. And, and I think that they're starting to get that a, a little bit more. You know, I mean, most of these people are collecting modernism because it's something that, you know, they think about, you know, they, they remember growing up with their, their parents had. And, uh, you know, and they, they like some of it, but maybe not all of it, you know, and, and showing them how they can incorporate just a couple of things into a room to make a statement to get their attention.
2: There are three different areas that in, in, in multimedia and pop culture that are really doing a great job at, at delivering that message. Um, every single month, you see Country Living has, has changed how they approach antiques and collectibles. They are incorporating more of it into um, standard design with next um, to identical things. Um, you see the popularity of a publication called Atomic Ranch that's produced out I've west, um, phenomenal publication that's reaching a younger audience who appreciate the, the lines of modernism and, and seeing how you can live side-by-side side with antiques and collectibles and still lead a normal life. <laughs> and uh, and uh, um, Nate Berkus' show is... i uh, oh, yeah, he's it's great. Show. Yeah, he's doing, a, he's doing a great job at promoting the gospel of vintage mm-hmm. and um, reaching out to people, showing them that it's easy to shop, it's easy to live with great stuff. So, um, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a really great dynamic time right now. I, I don't
1: know who it was which one mentioned it, but Facebook, to me, is a really great tool to reach the you know to reach right across the board
2: right it's been uh, we've we've uh, we've been having uh, conversations with dealers who are who are just now trying to get into social media and they'll call up to the office and it's funny because they'll they'll call up and they'll go how do i uh, do this tweet thing on facebook how do i uh, get my tweets <laughs> on? how do i twitter on this book thing and it's funny because um they're they're just getting into it but they know that it's important, mm. but they don't quite know how to do it yet. So I think that, um, you know, if there was a, Martin, if, you, if you'd like to, to take the lead and, and, and hold a podcast on, a, a, uh, on an e- instructional um, how to use social media for your <laughs> antique business, I think it'd be, it'd be wildly popular.
1: Not a bad, idea. Right. Not a bad <laughs> idea. I know quite a few people that do not, A, have a cell phone or a computer and never used one. And uh, in the antique business, and I and, and they survive somehow, and um, I don't know exactly what the, what they do, but um, there's one person in particular that is a huge buyer, and I'll say to her, "Well, let me email," and then right in the middle of my sentence, I'll say, "Oh, uh, never mind," you know. But uh, they 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 get along, but uh, I really think you know they're missing a lot of opportunities. I really do.
2: Yeah. yeah. We've, uh, one, one thing that one of our columnists wrote about <clears throat> it, was, it was Wayne Jordan again. Um, and uh, he talked about the just looking at, at the stats, at the development of the technology for um, smartphones, and, and uh, folks like WorthPoint, mm. who are funneling eBay completed items um, listings to their site now, to um, to capture the web traffic and, uh, mm. and, and and serve a function. It's only a matter of time before you, uh, an auctioneer looks across his gallery and sees two or three hundred people sitting there. And they're alternating their their glances between the podium and their phones mm-hmm. because um, you can search uh, prices very easily now. Um, you can mm-hmm. find um, it, every major major auction service provider has an iPhone app or a BlackBerry mm-hmm. app. Yes, mm-hmm. and um, the uh, it's really going to pull the veil across, the, you know, away from the, the mystique of the of the antiques. Um, but I think it's going to do a better job of honing some prices and making a smarter population. Hmm. Yeah. When
0: did you start working at the Trader I, I, I don't remember when
2: you came on board there. Um, I started in 2005, and uh, I was there for a little less than a year. And then I had the um, unique and distinct pleasure to work on uh, the Atlantic City show from 2006 to 2009. Right. And then um, when we decided not to hold the show any longer, um, I, I came back to the, to the publication. Hmm. so that was in 2009 so it's been um about a year a a little over a year now um and uh i i love every single day of it some days are exhausting but it's taken over you're like everywhere yeah it's been um i think i think part of that is is that it's just been just so darn fun darn much fun i just Mm -hmm. i just love working with with folks like you um i love working with people who are passionate who are bringing in new technology to this great business and and, um working on it working on Atlantic City you really got a chance to get a feel for how um, intelligent savvy and hard-working the American antiques dealer is mm-hmm. they, they are very intelligent they are very um, they they know their business um, they're they're repositories of, of some really valuable information that um, about about America's people and the, and the products that we produced and 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 uh, it's just a delight. Yes.
0: You know, it's funny that you said that because this morning I had changed my Facebook status uh, you know looking forward to the work week, and one of my friends, who's not in this industry, wrote me back and said, "Were you ill?" I said, no, I said, I just really happen to kind of like what I do. And I I thought about that, and I thought, you know, these these people that have a desk job, you know, a a nine-to-five job, and they go in and they do what they do, and they don't have the opportunity to experience the things that we do every day. I guess I probably would look like I have three heads for saying something like that. Right. right for us, you know, it's like every day it's something different, it's never the same. You just never know what phone call or email or whatever is going to bring, and what unique opportunities
2: are you know going to be placed in front of you. Right, and when and when you look at the type of person who excels in that environment, mm-hmm. there um, you've got to be flexible, smart, mm-hmm. tireless, um, mm-hmm. and your passion can wane. Yes, and you have to love people and and uh, and, and appreciate what they're what they bring to the table every day. So. It's just a great way to spend your time, I think.
1: I love history, first of all. But one of my favorite parts of this entire business is the ability to, to continually learn. I'm always learning something every single day. And, um, and 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 I could never say that I'm a know-it-all um, in this business in any type of way because, um, you know, even though I've been at it for 35 years, um, there I, I feel like I've scratched the surface on so many different areas. It's really... A lot of fun.
0: You know, you, you, um, you know to touch back on, on Roadshow for a second, it, one of the things that we say every day, you know, the people that sit at the table with me, you know, we're all glass experts and we know a, a vast array of different types of glass from, you know, from all over the world, and made for hundreds of years. But there is never a show that has ever gone by that, you know, we haven't sat there scratching our heads. and We have absolutely no idea who made this. And it's not just one, there'll be a handful of things. You can kind of discern, you know, the, that it was, whether it's American or European, or you can discern the time period by the color and the shape and, and you know, and a lot of things about it, but be able to hone in on who exactly made it, you know, you just, you just won't know. And that's the exciting thing about it is it just goes to show you that you don't know everything. You know, you, you the minute you think you've seen it all and you know it all, something else is going to come across your desk, come across your email, whatever it may be, you are come to your shop. You've absolutely no idea, and to me, that's extremely exciting.
2: It mm-hmm. is, it is. It's. I
0: love the unknowing because it makes you want to know more. It makes you want to go solve that mystery. Oh, wow, it uh,
2: it there also comes a certain satisfaction with finding something that you didn't know. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you get a chance to have that satisfaction. You know, that you, now you know. It, yeah, and you put the time in, and now you can share it. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: There's an Os- Oscar Wilde saying that says, a um, uh, quote that he did, and that's, I'm not young enough to know everything. And <laughs> and I totally remember when I was 21 years old, I, I truly thought I knew everything. And um, I remember You're my father. Fo- I thought
0: I knew everything at 15. So yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my dad kind of set me straight. He just said, you know. When you advertise this, put a good picture in it because no matter what you think you know about it there's someone out there that knows ten times the amount that you know and right. and it really is when someone specializes I love talking to specialists because they know so much about uh, you know I'm talking about someone that collects one even if it's a, um, a civil war button you know of a certain type they know every single thing about that and it's fascinating to uh, learn from them It's really a great business.
0: Whenever you think you know everything tells me that you've stopped listening mm-hmm. right that's mm-hmm. very smart yes yes that, that kind
2: of leads to one area where, where I, I think that we don't particularly do a, a good job in our business and uh, which is developing a mentor mm. mentality mm-hmm. um, across, mm-hmm. the, across the dealer in the auction house business and and um, when you when I was working at, working at Atlantic City I, I would just marvel at the, at the dealers ability to know um, know know their business know their merchandise and know their inventory but it was always a little disheartening that there was not a, a larger freer um freer association of the of the of the information yes the younger generation mm-hmm. and i don't quite know how to how to how to overcome that i think that might just be um the animals we are i guess but um i think crucial to a talk about how to how to instill it instill and still inspire a future generation has got to be some method of mentoring among dealers, whether it's yes, and I think you guys are doing a great job in terms of having folks like Greg Willett come on and talk about his adventures and and my wife and I were listening to it last week and we we went pop some corn because it was such a great, um, <laughs> great conversation because it, 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 it it's so rare to see the inside of a of a of a dealership like that. Mm-hmm. But um, but that's an area where um, I know the auctioneer schools talk about the business of being an auctioneer, but. I don't know how many people are out there who are instilling the passion and the, the, the tricks of the trade I guess to make it work.
0: When I was younger and I first started out, nobody wanted to share their insights. Nobody yep. wanted to give up the information that they that they had and and I just never could understand that. And I you know, I know that I had a mentor early on and I'm so incredibly thankful for all the information that he showed me because the kinds of things that I deal in are very expensive and, and the lessons <laughs> that he probably saved me from learning the hard way. And don't don't get me wrong, believe me I've fallen on my face many, many times. But uh, he certainly saved me from a being, you know, many times plus ten. You and and I said to myself, you know, this person was kind enough to give it to me, my job is to pay it forward. Mm-hmm. And help other people because whether it be, you know, if we need to learn something about new versus old Reproductions, fake forgeries, restoration—whatever, you know—and how to discern those kinds of things, saving people from being taken like somebody else was. That's a very valuable knowledge. of power in this industry. And I, and I, you know, I just said this is just something that we need to continue to pay forward. And I don't want to be like one of those people that keeps all of my little secrets and knowledge close to my chest. You know, that doesn't encourage new collectors and
2: new dealers. Yes, right.
0: Eric, do you collect anything?
2: I do i do right now i'm like oh my gosh i've got um, i've got a lot of little collections that Mm -hmm. i find a lot of joy in and um my wife and i collect everything from um we collect a lot of folk art a lot of uh, wisconsin folk art oh um, wow here in the area Um, Mm -hmm. we find uh, my wife and i have a little uh a little collection of uh of wire egg baskets it's just a little little really? a little oh, kinda, yes. just a little, uh, little something that we kinda look out for. Mm-hmm. Um, we're shopping cool. all the time. We um, we give we give antiques for gifts all the time.
0: Very right. I love
1: that. Do you have any of those chicken shaped uh, egg baskets?
2: Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, we got a couple of those and we kinda <laughs> you know, and, 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 they kind of take on a new personality but depending on the on the season. Right now, they're uh, they're getting getting ready to lay some Christmas ornaments.
0: <laughs> and
2: uh, so, and I also have I also have a, a real strong affinity for I love I love the 1940s. I love um, home front collectibles. Yeah. So I like a lot of um, you know one of the one of my my favorite collections. I don't like to talk about it often, um, <laughs> but um, I, I love to collect um, beanies from the 30s and the 40s. When yeah. kids, when kids would take the, their fathers' uh, old fedora hat oh, and cut <laughs> the edges and, and, and decorating with, with, all, with all the flotsam and jepsums they found, I think that that was. Uh, that just speaks to everything that that collecting can be. You know, you wow. you can be completely broke and still have a great time and. Um,
1: so if I ever find one of those, I'll know an expert to call to find out about it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he,
0: he, he, he started telling you about the book he's writing earlier, but this is the second book he's writing. <laughs> right. <Not even> he's <laughs> your reference guide
2: on me. Yeah. yeah. You, Martin, you just called, we got the exclusive. Yeah. We're <laughs> the, the one, one and only beanie expert.
1: As long as it's not Beanie Babies, so that's all right with me. So. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been wonderful, Eric. Thank you so much. And I just want to say I really, really do appreciate all that you do for this business. Oh, thank you. It's, um, that. it's a, such a pleasure to have you on this podcast today.
2: Well, thanks. I think uh, if, we, uh, if, we, if we hang in there uh, together, I think we'll be fine in the long run. Yeah. I agree. Hi.
1: All right. Well, this is Martin Willis with Rain Haines and Eric Bradley, and we're all signing off.
0: website antiqueauctionforum.com please stop by the forum message board click on the community tab at the top of the menu bar and you can join in on a topic post your own website links and do a lot more thanks so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed today's show